Hello and welcome to Conversations with Q. I'm Lucia Fontaine Pal, Q's Community Marketing Manager, and I'll be interviewing our favourite marketers and entrepreneurs to learn about them and from them. Our special guest in this episode is leading digital marketing consultant Shane Barker. Shane has been a friend of Q's from the very beginning, and we're lucky enough to have collaborated with him on a number of projects, from guest blogs to Twitter chats. Whether it's working with celebrities on digital reputation management or obtaining a number one national ranking as a social media consultant, Shane has an impressive list of accomplishments. He's a regular contributor to publications like Salesforce, Yahoo Small Business and Marketing Profs, and he also donates his time and resources to helping young companies build businesses, from napkin sketch to revenue. I think of Shane as a real digital marketing powerhouse, but he's also one of the friendliest and most reliable people I know in the industry, with a great team around him. This was actually the first time Shane and I had managed to sit down for a chat, so I was really excited to find out more about his career and pick up some pearls of wisdom for marketing in 2018. So hi Shane, it's really great to have you here as you've been a curator at Q from the beginning and we're also lucky enough to feature several of your guest posts on our blog. So how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you guys putting the blog content out there. We've had, obviously, you guys are doing an awesome job with the promotion of it. And I appreciate all you guys have done for me. Oh, well, the feeling is definitely mutual. <laughs> so just so our listeners can get to know you a bit better, where are you based? And what's your favorite thing about where you live? Yeah, good question. So, um, and I know you guys are big into that. I follow you guys on Instagram. You guys are always, I'm always jealous. I'm like, God, where are they at today? Where are they doing the, <laughs> the remote working from today? So yeah, I'm actually located in Sacramento, California. Um, but I spend a good amount of time in the Los Angeles area because I, I teach a, a class at UCLA, a personal branding and uh, how to be an influencer course. So I'm, I'm there at least two days a week. And then I'm in Sacramento. I've got an office here in Sacramento and my whole team is remote as well. So I've got a 27 person team that's, that's all over the world. I definitely think it's the way forward remote working. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. So you teach um, and I noticed that you yourself have um, a business degree. So I'd be really curious to know kind of how that helped you get your career off the ground, because obviously not everyone who works in business or marketing has a kind of formal qualification in it. So do you think that's helped you and it's, do you think that's necessary for people who want to have a career in this industry? Yeah, it's funny, boy. So it's, it's an interesting question because, you know, if you would have, because I teach at UCLA. So like my, my canned answer and my son's in college. So my answer is yes, go get a degree. And yes, you should, you know, definitely go do this. And then my other side of it is the degree that I, um, that I acquired wasn't in, in, in marketing, right? So it was in, um, in the marketing side of things, but you know, and this is many moons ago, I'm going to age myself. So it was you know, <laughs> a long time ago. Right. But the idea of it is, is that a lot of the stuff that I learned through college I didn't necessarily, I'm not applying today because so many changes have happened, right? In regards to the internet and um, content and just everything. I mean, when I went to school, I graduated in 2003. So, you know, this was many, many, I mean, some of the people that are listening to this podcast might not even have been born at that time, right? So um, it, it, was, it was a little while ago, but 
um, you know, the, a lot has changed. And so mainly the way that I learned all the stuff that I've learned over the last 20 plus years has been because of me going out and doing it right. And, and working with people and really kind of trying platforms and doing this and doing that. So it's been, um, it was a little bit of a different journey for me once again, because it's the, the you know, you graduated within the last 10, 15, 20 years, a lot of things um, have changed and, you know, they're continuously evolving. So, you know, that learning curve is always there and it's, it's always really cool, especially because you can learn a lot of stuff online. There's a lot of great platforms out there that you can go and, and, you know, get yourself at least acclimated to, to new concepts and things that are going on. But my, my templated answer is, Hey, you know what? Yes, you should get your education. You should go out um, and do that. But, you know, but there are other ways to do that. You don't necessarily have to have a degree from UCLA or from any, you know, prestigious college um, to, you know, be able to move forward and, and have a successful career. Sure. And outside of studying something at a university, are there any resources you recommend for people who want to learn about marketing that you personally use? Yeah. I mean, there's like, um, I think it's Udemy. Udemy's a good one. There's uh, lynda.com that got purchased by LinkedIn. Um, those are all great places to start. Um, and there's other people that have courses as well, you know, that you can do individual courses, whether it be um, a specific type of marketing, you know, email automation or um, whatever that may be. Right. Um, I mean, I'm actually working on some courses right now for influencer marketing that will be on the influencer side of things. And then I'm also doing them for brands as well. Um, so we're working on those courses. So, you know, that's what's cool about it is if you want to learn about a specific niche or a very specific area in regards to marketing, um, there's probably going to be some type of a course out there. Um, you just got to make sure it's a good course, right? But um, which is always the hard part, right? What are the good courses? So, um, you know, but there's, you know, like I think Shares, I think Skillshare is another one that has some things. There's quite a few platforms out there where you can go and, and you know, for a nominal price, go and, and, and you know, watch a course or watch a video and, and get a better idea on how to do something, at least get you some, a foundation to get started. Yeah, and I guess, as you said, since the digital marketing landscape's always changing, it probably is good to go for those really specific courses and study, like, really in-depth things. Yeah, because it is. It's, it's one thing to say, you know, people will say, they'll send me an email and say, hey, I want to get started with digital marketing. And that's just such a, you know, I mean, it's, it's not even saying, hey, I want to be an attorney. Like, there's so many different, you know, the, the attorney, the bankruptcy attorney is going to be totally different than the DUI attorney, right? Yeah. So it's like, you have to, same thing with digital marketing. And so there's so many things that play into that. Um, and I, in 20 years that I've been doing this, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to dabble in, in all of them, right? Most of them, yeah. at least. And so I have a good base knowledge of, of quite a few things. Um, but there's some things that we've obviously specialized over the last, you know, when it comes to content and the influencer marketing where we spend a lot of time, same with SEO, I guess. Um, but yeah, you definitely want to like figure out which, which area of marketing, where you want to spend your time and, you know, and go and, and go after those, go after those services. That's one of the biggest I mean, problems with agencies, these like digital agencies is that, you know, if you offer, you have a product offering of 15 different things that you do, then it's like, what do you really specialize in? You know, I always tell my clients, like, what do you, what are those core things that you want to go after? Right. And, and you really want to specialize for that, whether it be, Hey, I want to do digital marketing for um, attorneys, right? That's what I want to do great. Now I'm very specific in what I'm offering or, Hey, I really want to do SEO work um, because we've seen great successes. So it doesn't have to be for attorneys, but I want to do SEO work for, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. So you're, you're okay. niching down into being very specific and, and becoming a professional and becoming a, an expert in, in that area. Yeah. So either find a specific industry or a very specific skill that, you know, you're good at. Exactly. Cool. So, 
Um, you've, you've just mentioned that you've got 20 years of experience in marketing. So I know that you've held senior level roles at various different companies, but now you run your own consultancy business. So when yeah. did you, when and why did you decide to move and go it alone? Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's so funny because I, you know, when I, I have people that will reach out to me and say, hey, I, you know, I've got a job at, you know, Google or, you know, some company and, and they'll say, you know, I really want to go off on my own. And I say, well, you know, there's some huge upsides, right? And there's some, you know, hey, you're your own boss in theory, right? Um, and you've got this and that and everything's awesome. And, but then there's the other side of it is that you're your own boss, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody's paying your bills. You don't have, you know, you want to go to a conference. You've got to pay the $2,000 to go to the conference. You don't have insurance. You don't have, there's these certain things that, that you, starting off as a, as a, a consultant. Now, if you have the experience and you have, you know, hey, you've worked two years at Google or there's, there's some huge value in that, right? That'll help get you in the door with some places. Um, but it's, it's one of those things. It, is a, it can be a difficult transition and you're always fighting for the next client, right? Which is, mm-hmm. once again, if you've got a good consultancy and things are going good and you're, you've got a good system in place, but, it, you know, in the beginning, there's going to be some time and resources. You know, once again, you don't have a, you know, your, your expense card that you have that, you know, you got from Google that they said, hey, you get a, a card for $500 and you get a, a $1,000 a month to do this and we'll pay for your courses and all that stuff. Now that comes out of your pocket, right, which is um, scary for some people. And it's a, a big reality if you, you know, have a, a family and a huge mortgage and you have all these things that you have to pay, it becomes very difficult to be able to make that transition to, um, to a consultant because once again, unless you have contracts in place and stuff like that or good relationships with companies that need your type of services, um, it's just, it's a big transition, but once again, can be extremely valuable as well. I mean, I, because I have my own consultancy firm, I can, you know, take days off. I can do this. I can, you know, I schedule myself as I, as need be. And now I've, you know, because of the team that I have in place, I can take days off if I need it. So that, that's the other side too, is I've gotten it to a point where, now um, it's manageable, right? And sometimes in the beginning, you're not. You're the president, you're the secretary, you're the treasurer, you're everything, right? There's, there's you know, so at that, you, you have to figure out like how you're going to be able to delegate work and be able to, to take the consultancy to the next firm or to the next level. Sure. And do you find it personally like easy to delegate? Because I know that a lot of entrepreneurs, if they start their own business, they do struggle to then let people in and expand their team because it's kind of their baby. Yeah, that's that's the thing is delegation is one of the hardest things for any entrepreneur to do because, you know, what you have to realize is for the most part, people aren't going to be as passionate about your business as you are, right? And that's okay because it's your baby. Um, what I've done over the years and the team that I have now, I mean, I've, I've hired hundreds of people and, have, and worked with thousands of, of, you know, providers over the years. And um, I've learned a lot through that whole process. But the team that I have now, I'm like 99.9% confident in them. If I ask them to do a task, um, you know, there's always going to be little road bumps along the way if you're doing a new service or something's going on or somebody quits or something. But um, at the end of the day, it's, you, you really have to find the people that you feel confident in, in you know, asking them to, to del- or you know, delegating those things to them. What I usually do is start off with you know, smaller tasks. Um, and see how well they do with that that aren't necessarily time sensitive. You tell them they're time sensitive. Hey, can you get this to me by, you know, Wednesday at 9 a.m.? Um, and then if that doesn't happen, then, you know, obviously you're not going to give them the bigger tasks. It's all you got. It's like building trust, you know. And then once you get to a point, and like I said, some of my employees have been with me for almost 13 years. Yeah. So there's people that I send a message to and say, hey, I need this done 
by a certain time and I know it's going to be done. I don't even have to, you know, I can go to bed at night and sleep and wake up in the morning and there we go. It's done. So, mm. um, that's, you know, it doesn't happen like that overnight, but the idea is, is it's baby steps, start them on little smaller projects, see how well they do. But delegation is key because, you know, if you go and you leave for a week and you're the, the head of the company and nobody can do anything without you, then guess what? Then when you come back, you, you're behind one week in work, right? Yeah. So that's not really a company, right? What that is, is you're, because if something happens to you, then what happens to the company? And you have to think, if I take a week off, will my company still run successfully, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be perfect, but will they still be able to do what they need to do? Do you have the training in place? Did you implement certain things, processes in place to make sure that, that people are able to be successful while you're gone. That's kind of the key to the whole thing. Yeah. And you definitely want to be taking holidays at some point if you're in your <laughs> You have to. If not, you, you get really fat and old and then you die early with all kinds of money. And that's just not the goal. <laughs> and so um, why did you decide to have a completely remote team? Well, it's it's funny. So the one of the reasons, there was a number of reasons, but I used to own a company that I had 130 employees um, and they were all local or within about a two hour radius um, of me. And it just was, um, it was, you know, it was great. And I learned a lot and, you know, from when it comes to working with people and, and doing that, but I always wanted to do a remote team because um, first of all, it's, there's sometimes there's discounts on, you know, on services. I mean, not discounts, but, it's not always as expensive, right? There's, yeah. um, you can have somebody that has a, um, that does just as good a job in the U S and you can pay them extremely well. I mean, I, I usually pay double of what anybody else would usually pay in their country. I and mean, then I, I pay extremely yeah. well. Uh, and I do that for a reason. Cause I don't just because I'm using, you know, international help on stuff doesn't mean that I, I, you know, take advantage of them or don't pay them well. I mean, that's one of the things that I learned is that a lot of providers of, you know, have, have had people that try to take advantage of them because they're in a different country and want to pay them a lot less and try to nickel and dime them here and there. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. I treat my employees extremely well. And I do that for a reason because I want to be able to take a week's vacation and know that things are being done and that they value, you know, what we've, what I'm providing for them financially, but also from the aspect of that I'm, that I care for them. And I, you know, want to make sure that they're happy, right. That's going to be really important. Um, it, you know, it, that's the, the trust thing I think as we kind of touched on earlier is, is the big thing there. I think that's the thing that, that people, you know, once you can trust your team and you can, you know, it, it's, it's just because it's a whole different ball game, but the remote thing has been awesome just cause it's, um, I'm not, I don't micromanage my team. Um, we set out tasks and, you know, you want to make sure you have softwares in place and stuff like that to you know, be able to look at transparency and progress and clients can see stuff. But the remote thing was just really entertaining to me or really interesting to me because um, I travel a lot. So I'm not always going to be in the office anyways. Um, between teaching at UCLA and between you know, speaking and other projects that I have going, um, I'm not going to be in the office anyways. So it didn't make sense to me to have a physical location. And then also just the, the, the cost savings as well. I and mean, I do have an office here in Sacramento that I do like my podcast and I do some stuff out of. But um, it's a staged office. What I mean by that is that it's like all beautiful. I mean, it looks like a house. I mean, I did that for a reason because that's where I'm going to produce content out of. Um, but it, it's just nice having that flexibility. And another thing about an international team that I absolutely love, and not all my teams international, but you know, a, a percentage of them are, is that I have a 24-hour clock. Yeah. So right. So if I assign stuff out, you know, I can send a, a message to them at 6 p.m. here Pacific Standard Time in Sacramento and L.A. Um, and then if it's a, you know, something that takes four or five hours when I wake up in the morning, it's done. Yeah. Um, so that was another huge value that a lot of people don't think about is that, 
you know, people will say, hey, hey, Shane, we talked to you today at 3 p.m. and we asked you to do or yesterday at 3 p.m. do this, this and this. And then all of a sudden it was an, an eight hour project. Like, how did you get it done, you know, on Friday morning? Yeah. They don't understand that. They're like, God, that's amazing. The, the efficiencies that you have in place. They thought that I stayed up all night, which, yeah. you know, I wanted to think that because like, they're like, God, this Shane guy's a beast. Like he just, yeah. you know, he's really into this. He really wants to provide for us. So, and that's that 24 hour clock has been really, really interesting. It's been nice because then, you know, the teams, there's that continuous progress and things that are going on and the clients really love it. Yeah, no, that sounds like a game changer for your business. And I, I was is. actually really having is. a conversation with um, Matt and Dan the other day because I interviewed them mm-hmm. for an episode. Um, and they were saying the same thing, you know, working remotely means they can hire anyone in the world and get the best people. And as you said, that doesn't mean that you're taking advantage of people. It just means that you're getting the best quality. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Is that, you know, I'm only, I'm only tied to the Sacramento region or the LA region and, and there's some great talent there, but internationally, there's some absolutely phenomenal people, right? And I, to me, there are no borders. I look at it I, like, hey, if you can do the job and, and you're awesome and the interview went great and you're passionate about what you do and you care about good customer service and you care about, you know, clients, then, then you're the person for me. Then we'll figure out, you know, we can work everything else out. I, I just, the interview process is big for me when it comes to hiring and making sure that they're a good fit. But where they live is, is not, a, the only potential issues sometimes can be internet access yeah um but for the most part we you know i always we do double so if their internet is not going well then i always give them a backup on mi-fi or wi-fi that they can use so those are easily easily fixed problems sure um, you offer a range of different digital marketing services in your business and i noticed that there's a when you look at your website there's a really big focus on convergence and driving revenue and I think it's common for businesses to feel like they're putting a lot of time and maybe money into top of the funnel marketing, like social media, but they're not clear on how this will actually impact their bottom line. So what's your advice for using social media and content marketing in particular to see results and achieve a, heart, a high ROI? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big content person, so um, I'm a big advocate for it. I mean, I started my blog probably six years ago, maybe seven years ago. I don't even know now. Um, and, you know, the idea back then was just that I wanted to write about the different things that I had going. Um, and I did see some, I had some fellow marketers that were doing blogs and they'd seen, you know, driven some good leads and stuff. And, you know, it takes a little while to, to get that up and going. But once it's up and going, the inbounds can be phenomenal. I mean, I, I don't have a full sales team. Um, I don't do, we do some outbound stuff, but a lo- most of my leads come from inbound and it's all because of um, any social media, any distribution of content, but it's a creation of great content. So yeah. that's really where we spend our time and the ROI side of things and, and being able to convert those people. The idea is, is obviously you got to drive the traffic first, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we think, you know, through driving through the content and putting out epic content that you start to drive those people. And then we help with conversions on, you know, lead magnets or whatever that is to, to get people in place and get them on a newsletter and, and get them coming back through, you know, there's multiple ways of doing that through push notification and things like that, where, you know, you want to keep people engaged. And you, once you put out epic content, you know, you the idea is just to educate, right? We want to educate yeah. people on, on how to do whatever, like, Hey, you want to do SEO for an attorney? Well, this is how you do it. This is the full plan. This is what you can do. And if you're, you know, feel like you're, you're froggy and you want to jump and, and this is going to be, you know, you can do it, then great. Then there's the content and I showed you how to do it. Go ahead and do it. Hey, if you don't have the time, then guess what? You might want to reach out to me because I can help you do that because we came up with the plan that you just saw and it's something we can implement because I have the, the team that can do it. 
Sure. So it sounds like you've really nailed your inbound strategy. But where do you see businesses commonly going wrong in their marketing strategy? Yeah, I think the in their marketing strategy, I think is like, you know, one of the hardest part is like, where do you put your money, right? Where do you put your budget? Um, And that's always the challenge, you know, because, you know, they always joke around about like, hey, I'm, you know, spending just as a a general number, let's say I'm spending $100 a month and 50 of it's going great and 50 of it's not. I just don't know which 50 is good and which 50 is bad. Right. So, right. So that's always the hard part. Like, you know, because obviously I'd like to take that $100 and put it all into one influencer or one strategy. And obviously $100 is not enough, but, you know, it's, it's just a general number. The, the, the problem is, is most businesses go in and they just don't know where to put that money. And it's, and it's, it's a challenging because it's, you know, if, if you're a, a smaller company and, you know, every dollar is a big deal to you, which it should be if you're a smaller company, then you have to really applying that money somewhere is, is kind of a scary step for people because, you know, it's like what, if you go with the wrong provider or what happens if they say they can do something, but they can't, right? So there's, mm-hmm. you know, if you got a good salesperson that sells you on a package, oh, that's awesome. And they hand you off to the next guy. The next guy's like, yeah, we, I mean, we do that, but it's not quite like that. You're like, oh my God, I just put my whole budget into something. So, you know, I think the thing, if I'm a business, what I would do is you just got to do a little bit of research and, and see what you think is going to be best for your business. You don't, Right. Because you kind of have to have an idea of, of your business and maybe where you can find those potential clients and what's going to work best for you. Right. Look at influencer marketing, look at content marketing, you know, look at your SEO strategy, look at your social media strategy. Then you got to look at bandwidth and you got to look at budget um, and really make that evaluation. It's, there's no you know, magic pill that's going to push your business. And, but what you can do is make educated decisions about where you want to allocate that money. And I think education is key. I mean, there's plenty of people like myself and great writers out there that will put out good content that you can go and, and get enough information to be dangerous. Um, and then you can hire somebody and, and have a good knowledge, or at least a, a good base on, on what you think, you know, this, this person should be providing. Um, another thing that I do is, you know, when I offer this to people, even when, even when people come to me and I, I say, listen, I'm going to, you know, tell you about my services and this, that, and the other. And I'll tell them on calls, like, I know you don't know me, and, and if you decide not to go with me, that's fine. But if you want me to look at other proposals and tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly about them, I said I'll do that as well. Because for me, it's like if we're not a good fit, that's okay. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not gonna, I don't claim to be a good fit for everybody. But I also want to make sure that they're making a good decision. You know, if this this is their last, their, you know, this they're, they're have a three thousand dollars budget each month for the next six months, and this is the last of their marketing budget. I want to help them make those right decisions. Right. And so even if it's not, if, if I'm not the right person, I want to make sure they're making the right decision with the next person, because it's just, you know, it's a scary step for a lot of businesses, smaller businesses, bigger businesses have bigger budgets. And um, not that they're not worried, but it's just it's not it's not a ride or die thing of like, hey, we don't do this and we're, our business is going to be able to continue. Yeah, sure. No, I think I agree. I think a lot of people are just searching for those kind of magic tricks almost and quick fixes. But it, it, it is. It's, and that's with anything, you know, I mean, same thing with influencer marketing as an example, like people assume that it's just you go hire one influencer and they post one picture and then you, you know, the money comes in and you go retire. You know, it's, right. it's like anything else. It's like PPC. It's like SEO. It all takes time. If you get somebody that says, hey, I can get you on the first page of Google for $95, please run. Just go take that $95 and go buy some drinks or go get some food or go to a casino and put it on black or red or, I mean, cause that's really what you're doing. You're, you're, you're gambling with that. I mean, you have to, 
you know, if it seems too good to be true, then guess what? It's probably too good to be true. And so that's something, you know, I tell clients, like, listen, if, if you're being sold on something, be careful. Uh, if you look at it and go, wow, that just doesn't seem right. You know, I mean, there, there's these things and we, we look at them and this is in Craigslist. Obviously, there's a lot of the big scam these days is what they'll do is they'll, you know, like here in Sacramento, if you want to rent a house, let's say it's $2,000. And what they'll do is they'll take the pictures, they put up a new Craigslist ad, and they'll say, hey, it's $800. And so I had, you know, a friend of mine that says, hey, man, I just found this great flat. It was supposed to be 2000 Usually they go for 2000 now it's 800 And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make sense, though. Yes. You know, I mean, you just, you have to look at that, right? And then yeah. they're like, hey, send a deposit and this, that, and the other. But my point being is that if, I call it your spider sense. If your spider sense is tingling, if you're like, wait a second, there's something not right about this then it's probably not right, right? So then there's, there's something else going on there. So you just got to be real cautious of that. You got to kind of follow your gut feeling. Yeah, definitely. So you're, you've become a kind of expert on influencer marketing, which is becoming a major strategy uh, for brands now for the past kind of year or two. Um, I think it's kind of been more commonly associated with B2C enterprises. So let's say mm -hmm. you're a B2B business. How can you leverage influencer marketing? Like what kind of campaigns should you be running? Yeah, B2B um, is a little bit of a different beast. Um, you know, the, some of the issues, I mean, what you're going to do is you got to go find the influencers that are either A, writing for certain types of blogs or um, obviously that have a certain type of audience where they're having influence over a, a large group. Um, B2B, I, I actually did write an article about that as a, a kind of the, the differences between, you know, B2C and B2B and influencer marketing. Um, and there's, a, there's, I think the biggest factor is that it's just, it's a little bit more of a challenge when you're drilling directly with B to C. Um, it's, it's just easier because it, I wouldn't say it's easier. Well, I guess it is a little bit easier because you're, you're in a situation where you can, you can see direct sales and you can see things that are going on um, with those clients, right? Because it's usually it's either depends on what you're looking for, if it's a direct sales or if it's reach or it's engagement or something like that. That's one of the things that I think are important to take a look at. Um, but B2B is, is a little bit of a different beast because once again, it's usually, you know, two companies that are working together and you have to figure about the, you have to look at the qualitative and quantitative side of things and, and what exactly you're looking to measure and, and how that's going to be, how that's going to benefit whatever your message or your, your content that you're putting out there. Um, I think that you're going to see a lot more B2B stuff um, coming down the road. I think the same thing with B2C. But the, the biggest thing on, on this and what we're seeing is that there's just the education side. I mean, that's the reason why I'm working on the courses that I'm working on right now, because there's uh, there's just influencers and brands are still real new on how to do influencer marketing the correct way. And, you know, a lot of these companies and agencies and stuff are pitching people on, hey, this can be done fast and quick and it's easy. And it's just not. Um, it just takes time and it's you don't want to cut corners and um, you need to put the time and the effort in to once again like any campaign it's not it's not an overnight success type thing yeah. you know you're gonna have to go and find out where those certain influencers are at you're gonna have to find um, make sure your your message is great and compelling you have to make sure that the distribution of that content even after the it goes live like, what are you going to be doing after that so there's just a lot of pieces of the puzzle that um that i think get missed when it comes to influencer marketing because they assume Hey, if they've got influencer has a great following, they've got, you know, whatever, a million followers. Once we put up one ad or one campaign, it's just going to go through the roof and we're all going to make millions of dollars. And that's just not the deal. Um, it's like anything else. It's going to you need a full blown strategy.
that and, and put the budget behind that and make sure that once again, that you're working together with, with the certain KPIs and key performance indicators in mind and know what you can, would consider a big win, you know, and, and what those, what those parameters are. Sure. And have you seen any B2B brands doing influencer marketing really well recently, or maybe that could be a client of yours, a campaign you've worked on? Yeah. I mean, I know that um, we've seen some good stuff. Like there was uh, Microsoft had done uh, a campaign with uh, National Geographic, yeah. which was kind of good. It was talking about um, what they were doing is talking about empowering women. Um, they called it, I think it was like make what's next campaign or whatever. And what they were doing is, yeah, the International Women's Day thing was like 2017. And so they did some really cool stuff to, to, to talk about, you know, keep, you know, about women and where they're at their current roles and positions and like keeping them motivated. I mean, cause there's a, there's a big issue and obviously discrepancies with pay and stuff like that, that becomes some, become an issue. It's a big issue. So um, I think, you know, when brands come together with something like that and, and go after to really go after I mean, their thing was for like math and STEM and the disciplines of math um, and to keep, you know, when people, when, when girls see that kind of stuff and say, wow, this is awesome. That is something that I want to do. And it's motivational because the pictures were national geographic type stuff and they were very epic and, you know, motivational. Um, and so I think those kind of things, when I see that are always fun to watch because it's, you know, you, it's the youth, right? And they're, they're on Instagram and they're looking at stuff and they're impressionable. Uh, me, influencer marketing, are very positive. They're looking to motivate people, not necessarily to buy something, but to continue with their dream and, and continue that journey of, of going and doing whatever that is, right? Studying math or studying something like that. Um, so that was a real, real cool campaign that, like I said, I was real motivated by, and it just was a, you know, it's like influencer marketing for definitely, for definitely I guess good it's cause. Kind of created around a powerful message as opposed to just a product that people are going. Exactly. Yeah. So it's more of like a, yeah. a PR thing of like, hey, you know, we we're going to put this out, and it's also it's just it's just good 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 marketing, good content, you know, of where it's it's really the goal is is to to help get people yeah. to the next level right and and to keep people motivated about you know hey the opportunity is there and you can do this um which is good i think that's always nice to have those kind of you know when you're big companies like that you've got you know a lot of money then you got to do your part to continue to 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 educate the next generation that's coming up and, and i think, I think that's really relate to that we recently co-hosted a twitter chat with shane on the topic of influencer marketing and he shared some really great tips so I asked him again for some advice on the more practical side of influencer marketing. Things like finding the right influencers to work with, as well as negotiating more awkward subjects like partnership contracts and payment. Yeah, I think that's, you know, when it comes to, I mean, we're talking about what, like, you mean when you're yeah. trying to hire an, an influencer exactly. or something like that, a brand? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems is, and once again, I, I touch on this, the education side of it is, um, what brands, a lot of brands don't realize is that when you're hiring an influencer, A, you've got to find the right influencers, right? I mean, if I have the best product in the world and, and, you know, I'm doing a PPC campaign, but I'm going after the wrong audience, it doesn't matter how much money you spend. It doesn't matter. Um, oh, it doesn't matter. Like it does, none of that stuff matters, right? Because at the end of the day, if it's going after the wrong audience, then, then nobody's going to see it anyways, or not the right people are going to see it. So it's the same thing too. If you're looking at the you know, when you go after the influencers and go in and using software and, and, you know, evaluating which, who, who you think are going to be the good influencers for you, then the next step is, is actually to go and take a look at those influencers and really evaluate their con their content. Like I call it the eyeball test, like going and actually looking at it and, and evaluate it. And then I actually do interviews. 
um, to kind of see where the people are at and see what, like where their head's at and like stuff that they're working on and like what sponsorships have they done. And cause I'm looking for more of a long-term relationship, right? Most, most brands should be looking for a longer term relationship. Um, and they don't, most brands don't know how to pitch influencers and don't know what to negotiate. And most influencers you have to realize aren't marketers, um, right? They, they, be, they have influence in their space and some of them have maybe done a little bit of marketing. Um, but the, the problem is, is they don't really know what to offer the brands for the most part. They know what content will work, but they just don't know how to maybe tie that in because they're not marketers. So we're trying to make influencers marketers, which is an issue. And we have brands that are, don't really what, know what to negotiate or how to do influencer marketing the correct way. So it's that education piece that I think is being missed of like, hey, let's, let's both figure this out. Like just because we can do it doesn't mean we should do it. So let's, let's kind of learn some things and learn some of the processes and then go and evaluate that and then come up with better processes for you know, pitching influencers or working with influencers or your contracts or you know, how you create the briefs or you know, what kind of compensation should be on the table and that kind of stuff. Um, and so speaking of influencers, you've got a really strong personal brand yourself um, and you write a lot of content for various major publications. How did you kind of start doing that? Do you have any advice for people who are, say, looking to build up a portfolio of bylines, you know, in quite high-profile publications? Yeah, I mean, my my recommendation is just to work 15 hours a day and ignore your family. That's what I did. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Don't ignore your family. Take care of them. Um, but no, I mean, it's it really what I did is um, is... I mean, one of the things that we did is that I would go after some of the smaller publications and it's all foundational, right? So the idea of it is, is you go and you write for some of the smaller publications and obviously it's free content. So it's going to take time and resources, but you know, I invested that time and I was writing the blog articles and putting all that stuff together and it's, it's foundational. So I would write for them and then I would go to the next, you know, site and say, Hey, I write for X, Y, Z. I'm going to write for you guys. And, you know, I'm making it sound very simplistic. It's, there's obviously a lot more moving pieces to it than that. But it just was foundational. And I, I kind of hit it at the right time. I started doing it about six years ago, seven years ago. Um, and today, now I can, you know, I write for Forbes and Inc. and Huffington Post and all these these great sites. I mean, there's probably 120 that I write for in total. Um, but the, the the key to the whole thing is is it's foundational, like anything else, right? You have to start somewhere. And it's, that's the hardest part is like, people go, well, I don't know what to do. And I don't really, I'm nervous about this and nervous about that. Or same thing with YouTube videos. I want to do YouTube videos, but I just don't know where to start. It's like anything else. Anybody that, that went and did their first YouTube video, I can guarantee it was terrible, right? My first blog article that I wrote, which is still in my blog, is absolutely terrible. In fact, I use it at UCLA. I use it as an example. I'm like, look at this blog post. And I, and I go, it's terrible, but it's, I had to start somewhere. Right. And that's the key is you have to start somewhere. If you, if you're worried about not, you, you don't, the thing is the only way to fail is by not starting. If you don't start, then you failed. You're not going to do it. You know, assuming that's, the, you know, you just have to go after it. And so I don't know, that's, that's, that's the, that's the crazy part about it is it's, it's just putting that foot first, that first foot and, and going forward and, and doing it. So that's yeah, you know, yeah, in anything so you stepping do. Stepping stones as opposed to just expecting massive results straight away. It's, it's hard work. And once again, if it's, you know, if you're, you go by the seven second ab and you're looking for the three second ab machine, uh, yeah. you know, it's probably not going to work. Right. I mean, that's the thing It's everything, everything takes time and, and it's, you just have to be willing to invest the time, the resources to do that. And that's, if you're looking for an overnight success, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems with 
influencer marketing is that disconnect between yeah. expectation, right? Because a, a brand wants crazy stuff. And that's the, for one of the first things I'll ask a brand or an influencer who wants to work with me or something. Like, what do you, like a brand is an example. I'll say like, what do you consider a, a big win? And they're like, well, we'd like to, you know, we have a $5,000 budget. We want to work with 30 influencers and we're looking to get $10 million in sales. Wow. So damn, that makes two of us. I mean, that would be awesome, you know, but that's yeah. probably not realistic. Right. So that's when you have to kind of talk people down and, and explain to them the process. It's not an overnight process. It's like SEO. It doesn't just because you go, you know, optimize one blog post for a keyword doesn't mean you're going to be number one. There's still a lot of work that goes into that. But you, you have to start somewhere. So, you know, that's expectation is one of the big things because you know, there's people and, I, and I'm one of them. I you know, write about successful campaigns that we've done for clients. And then somebody reads it and they go, oh, my God, for every one dollar, I, I should be making four dollars. And that's the expectation. Um, that's not with every client. I have plenty of clients that we went and spent a dollar and we didn't make our dollar back. That happens. Right. I mean, that's just being realistic about it. Um, but we you know, we definitely have the, the thing we did learn is, you know, the, there's certain things that you do learn through the campaigns where you can continuously making them successful and you can kind of go to the next level and there you go. You know, so that's, it's like anything sure. else. It's all foundation. And so we've talked about influencer marketing, which is obviously a really big trend right now, but are there any other marketing trends you're excited about? Yeah. I mean, there are, there's, that's the thing is it's um, so hard to keep up on all of them. I mean, blockchain is real interesting. You know, I think um, I, I haven't dived into it or dove into it too much, but blockchain's interesting. Artificial intelligence is real interesting. Um, crypto, I haven't really jumped in too much. I'm a, you know, I, I let watch everybody else jump on that train. I, I just kind of, kind of stand back and kind of watch. But um, influencer marketing and content marketing, I, to me, are, are things that will will always be around. Um, content will always want to be created. You know, there's always going to be the need to create great epic content. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why I, I'm teaching at UCLA is because they read my content. They they knew what I was able to provide, and there was. A little bit. It's no different like a dating site, right? You go and then there's some things and people have pictures and ideas about what they've done in the past. And so you can kind of look at that stuff and you get an idea of what the person's like. And that's what, that's what got me in the door at UCLA was like, well, we've already seen your content and we know your, your level of expertise. Now we just, you know, went through a few interviews and actually know I'm, I'm working at UCLA. So it's, it's those kind of things where, you know, content will never go away. And then influencer marketing, will continue to evolve. Same thing as content marketing. It'll continue to evolve through different mediums. I mean, Anchor's been a great example, yeah. right? This wasn't around four months ago, five months ago. Now here we are doing a podcast and you send me a thing and I click on it right. and next you know we're doing a podcast. So, you know, that, that will continue to evolve and, and change in a positive way. And It was so interesting to learn more about Shane's career and hear his perspective on topics like education, managing remote employees and leveraging inbound marketing. And trust me, there's plenty more knowledge where this conversation came from. Here's where to find and follow Shane in the least creepy way possible. My website is just www.shanebarker.com. Um, you can go on Instagram. It's just uh, forward slash or backslash Shane Barker. Um, on Twitter, it's uh, under Shane underscore Barker. Um, you know, the key to the whole thing is if you want to get in touch and, you know, you can email me at Shane at Shane Barker. That's S-H-A-N-E at um, S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Q. 
If you'd like to have a chat with us about anything we discussed in this episode, feel free to tweet us at Q underscore co or myself at Lucia Fontina or call into our Anchor FM station, Qcast. We'd also love it if you could give us some stars on iTunes so that more people can find us. We publish a new episode every Thursday, so we'll see you next week with another very special guest. Thank you.